Hey, folks, Tom and Keith just want to take a quick moment to say thank you to listen to The Front Row and listen to our podcast. Very much so. Uh, we appreciate uh, all the downloads and the uploads and the side loads and all the other stuff you're doing. Exactly. That's uh, Mr. Technology over there, Keith Jones. I do want to let you know that uh, you're able to listen to this podcast commercial-free. Thanks to uh, the good folks at Seminole Boosters and uh, specifically the Dunlap Champions Club. You're familiar with the the Dunlap Champions Club because it opened last year. Uh, I have been in it plenty of times, uh, not on game day because I have other duties uh, as assigned, if you will, on game day. But if you've been there, you can you can uh, share. Obviously, it's a terrific facility. And if you haven't been there, you've got an opportunity to, for the spring game. 50 bucks, get you a seat in the Champions Club, Dunlop Champions Club. It'll get you all the soft drinks and food you can eat. You'll get an opportunity to see if it's something you want to maybe invest in as in the regular season comes. But a, a neat little deal that boosters are doing for the spring game. Exactly right. So take advantage. You can visit Seminoles.com backslash tickets or call 850-583-9066 line one to buy your tickets to the spring game and schedule a private tour now without further ado this week's front row broadcasting live from the prime meridian bank studios in the capital city of tallahassee this is the front row with tom block and keith jones brought to you by cornerstone tool and fastener online at ctf.nu here's tom and keith Hello, everybody. We welcome you to the front row. March Madness rolls on. Tom Block, Keith Jones reunited briefly. KJ obviously will be in Orlando with the Seminole basketball team this week. KJ, how goes it? It goes well. As soon as we get through, going to hop into a little Hobson Chevrolet Silverado and head down to O-Town. Shameless plug. Yes. Tell the truth. You're not really here right now because you wanted to do this show face-to-face. You just didn't want to get on a bus and trek to Orlando. Is that the real reason? That is the real reason. Yes, now we know. The so, team team left yesterday, Tuesday afternoon, on bus, and I didn't want to do bus, so I'm going to do the Hobson Chevrolet Silverado face safeness plug. Well, and Orlando's manageable. It would have been a little bit different. Not that they would bus to New York, but I guess if they did, you probably wouldn't have driven yourself to New York. No, that would be accurate. Speaking of NYC... Two things. First of all, it's a good thing you were there last week before the blizzard. Second of all, how was it? It was wonderful. Never spent much time in Brooklyn other than the time you and I spent there over uh, Thanksgiving and we didn't get to get out, but I had a couple of days to do some sightseeing. I was impressed with Brooklyn. Uh, Obviously, you're impressed with Manhattan when you get down there and the the, uh, uh, Freedom uh, Center and and the Freedom Tower and all that that we did, Uh, but uh, Brooklyn was nice. First time I ever spent any extended time there. I was impressed. I'll go back. The fans. Outside of people that were legitimate fans of the teams in the ACC, did it did it draw just random basketball fan from Brooklyn? I mean, could you tell? Was there a buzz at all? What was the atmosphere? I, I didn't feel the buzz that obviously you would feel in Greensboro or a Tallahassee, uh, but everybody knew what was going on. They knew the ACC tournament was there, and uh, when you looked up, every time you looked up, the, the arena was full. So whether it was ACC fans that had traveled in or six or 8,000 local Brooklynites or whatever they call themselves, uh, the arena was full. In fact, they set a, an arena, a Barclays Center arena a record with over 18,000 uh, for the uh, Friday uh, night, Friday evening games. Uh, I, the attendance was wonderful. And, and I thought the buzz, I mean, I don't know what the buzz is supposed to be in a city of, what, 13, 14 million people, uh, but the buzz I thought was pretty good. Yeah, well, good. It'll be interesting. We'll, we'll get back into this. We've talked about the ACC tournament locale a lot the last couple of weeks. We're going to do so later in the show. We'll table that for now. What about the team's performance overall? I'll say it from this standpoint. In my mind, and I think we discussed this on the show, I sort of had, if they make the semifinals, I'll take it. We'll go on to the NCAA tournament. Well, they made the semifinals. Obviously disappointing the way they played the first half, but then a tremendous comeback only to fall short, which has become a familiar script. Unfortunately, uh, where, where's that effort in the second half? Why can't we take some of that and put it in the first half? Uh, although I thought, and, and Leonard says this a lot, and sometimes we get tired of hearing it, but I think you got to give Notre Dame a little credit. You know, they made seven threes in the first half, only one in the second. Uh, they were shooting lights out just like they did in Tallahassee uh, in the game that Florida State was victorious over. Uh, they're a very good basketball team, and I won't be surprised if they go deep in the tournament. Uh, but yet, it's a game that was right there for Florida State to take advantage of. They, they're they the best free throw shooting team in the country, and they missed two front ends of one and ones inside four minutes to remain, and Florida State doesn't take advantage of it. So uh, FSU did not deserve to win that ball game. Notre Dame did, and that's what happened. And it brings us back to 
the question we've been asking for six weeks now, and that is what's going on with the first half uh, away from home here in terms of intensity. Are they feeding that much off of the home crowd? How is it? Because both games at the ACC tournament, Virginia Tech did the same thing. They shot the lights out yep. first half. Now, you could say that Florida State's depth was maybe the reason, but you could certainly make an argument that there was a little better effort, and so the shots were more contested, and that was the difference in the second half. So I, I don't know the answer. Obviously, if I did, I'd be selling it uh, and, and, and uh, making some money off of it. I, I don't I don't understand, I don't recognize, and I don't accept, if that makes any sense. Yeah, well, now, this, you know, particularly for Ojo and, and Jarquez, this is the last time you're going to put that uniform on. Maybe the same thing could be said for Isaac Bacon and or XRM. If you don't win, this is the last time you put that uniform on. I'm 35, 37 years removed from having put on a uniform. I remember my last game. And that's the memory that stays with me. You don't want that memory to be a negative. Yeah, you're one and done. I mean, you can't wait to halftime to find the start button. Nope. you got to hit the gas pedal to start. I do think it's good that they ended up in Orlando. Uh, I do think it's fun that we're talking about March Madness right now in the second week of March because the men and the women are both in, both as number three seeds. How about Coach Sue and, and what the ladies have done? And, and to be able to play those first two games at home, that, that is just – that's remarkable. Well – and the men's side doesn't do that. But given this men's team in particular, it'd be helpful, home, wouldn't it? would <laughs> be pretty helpful if those first two games were in Tallahassee this weekend. Sort of interesting that the draws are similar in that they play the first two games, the men and women in the state of Florida. And then if they advance, they're in regionals out in North California that are 90 minutes apart. I, I, won't, be you won't, be I won't be driving. You won't be going I won't be driving. Good. Corey Clark will be, however. So however, yes. he, he will leave immediately following the game on Saturday should Florida State advance this week 16 <laughs> and be driving to San Jose. Um, it, it's a good – I like the matchup overall for Florida State. I mean, I haven't seen Florida Gulf Coast play. I've looked at the numbers. I, I know what they did a few years ago with the Dunk City reputation. But, I mean, it's a three seed and a 14 seed. The more talented players are on the FSU squad. They'll be – it won't be a home court arena, but it's not going to be going into Cameron Indoor. Not at all. So uh, it's the night game. You just got to come out from the get go. Is just the play, thing. Just, yeah, play. just play, just play. It's not. It's it's difficult, but it's not complicated. Well, going back to the Notre Dame game, you know, you can break down all kinds of things, but at the end of the day, you make shots, and so you lose that game by what six points? Well, that's one one more three that they made, and one that you didn't. I mean, if if you if you shoot the season average on threes for each of those teams, that thing works out. Obviously, that's not the way you play the game, but hopefully they do come out, they're ready to go. Uh it is exciting to have the team in the tournament. Now, my expectations uh, probably where a lot of people's are in that uh I'd like to see this team get to the Sweet 16 and and anything after that is sort of a gravy or a bonus, but I'll be disappointed if they lose in Orlando. And I think that's probably the sentiment of the majority of, of Florida State faithful. Yeah. Now, I'm not on the side that thinks that they're going to win six in a row right now. But who knows if they get hot. Once you get into that second week, you know, Katie, bar the door. You you never know what can happen, good or bad. Got to get to the second week exactly. first. So they start tomorrow night with a late game against uh, Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, anything else as we wrap up the ACC tournament for now? Uh, I mean, we, I, we, I think we, it's remarkable, and maybe we can talk about this a little later. But nine uh, ACC teams get in, although Wake lost last night, and and, and kind of diminishes that that aura. Uh, but uh, you know, and uh, and with between Duke, North Carolina, and maybe maybe a Notre Dame, you know, you could see two. Certainly, you you expect Louisville. to see one Louisville. You expect to see one, may see two ACC teams in the Final Four. That would be phenomenal. We'll, we'll just wait and see what happens. Yeah, we're coming off two tremendous years for the ACC, so we'll we'll see what happens with this year's go-round. Uh, it, it will be interesting to watch it unfold. Nice to see that, that Florida State's in it, as we've talked about. Uh, nice to see that the NIT had a sense of humor by pitting Jim Boeheim against UNC Greensboro, which that game was – That was hilarious. That was snowed out last that night. That was hilarious. I mean, that's the best That's the best thing ever right there. I, I, you know, who said – I may take back much of what I've said about the NCAA. They actually do have a sense of humor. Did you see what the minor league baseball team in Greensboro did? They created a promotion on this. I, I, I saw that something was done, but I don't recall what was done. I should remember the name of the team because I've called games there because the ACC baseball tournaments play. There might be the Grasshoppers, but – Instead of having a value night, they're having a no-value night since Beheim said there's no value to playing in Greensboro. And if you produce a, a – I think it's a Syracuse driver's license. Maybe it's a state of New York. You know, basically everything's free for you that night wow. on their on their, their no their Beheim no-value night or whatever they're that calling That reminds it. me of the best promotion in baseball ever. 
Coach Frazier down in Miami, Florida State grad, but longtime coach, uh, now deceased uh, for the Miami Hurricanes college baseball team. You show up to the game and register, and between the third and fourth inning, they pull a limo out over home plate, and they draw names, and you have to immediately get into the limo, go to the airport, and you go to the Bahamas for three days, which means you have to bring your bag with you. So you've got 2,000 people in the stands with suitcases between the third and fourth thing, and they're fixing to draw a name. Everybody's standing up. Everybody's hollering, and you run, get in the limo, go to the airport, go to the island. Great promotion. You don't have to bring your bag. I mean, you could just roll with it. I hadn't thought about that. When was this? I don't recall that. This is 20 years ago. Yeah, I mean, he, he helped get college baseball oh, he was back, in the, back he was in the phenomenal. early 80s. All right, speaking of putting things on the map, Madison Street's on the map with uh, Madison Social, Centrale Township, and all they do. We uh, talk a lot about uh, Centrale's Italian Parlor making lunch great again with 11 items for 11 bucks. Uh, this week, Friday happens to, not only is it Friday, it's also St. Patty's Day. You might Ooh. you might not be aware that, that Matt Thompson started rolling out Reuben every uh, 17th of every month. Uh, well, they're going to have Reuben Pizza at Centrale this Friday. Uh, and then they're just going to roll St. Patty's Day into St. Pizza Day on Saturday. So once again, they've got you. Ca- oh, by the way, they have TVs to watch the March Madness, which will. Th- this is side note. These next four days are the best four days I think in the in the sporting calendar. Contemplate this: Should Florida State be victorious tomorrow night? Next day is St. Patty's Day, right? Friday night in Orlando. KJ with Mister Deckerhoff. On St. Patty's Day. Well. There will be no that, pitchers. That right there is reason for us to take a break before we get into trouble <laughs> with what we talk about. Uh, anyway, uh, good time to be had by all. Obviously, uh, stay safe if you partake. We'll come back and uh, fire up our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, who will also be in Orlando. And you better stay on his good side because he could chronicle what might happen in Orlando on St. Patty's Day. We'll talk with him next right here on the front row. Front Row with Tom Locke and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Everybody get up. It's time to slam now. We got a real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. Here's your chance. Do your dance at the Space Jam. That music can only mean... A couple of things. One, we're no longer in Brooklyn, so we didn't break out the Beastie Boys. And two, we couldn't come up with anything more clever associated with the city of Orlando, which is where one Tim Linnefelt uh, will be spending the next few days, hopefully uh, through Saturday, as a matter of fact. Our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt joins us now on the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, Tom. How are you? Good. Did Bugs Bunny, was he in that movie? Yeah. Yeah, they all were. Him and Marvin the Martian and uh, Daffy, everybody. I feel like we're going to... Was Yosemite Sam in it? We're really going to we're going to hurt what little credibility we have here Tim but but Keith did you ever see the movie Space Jam? I did not. Oh, but was Yosemite oh, Sam in it? I think he was. He was living one I want to know if his biscuits are burning. You know the oddest uh, the oddest cast member uh, of Space Jam was more than anybody was Bill Murray. I I still haven't really figured out what he was doing in there but I guess I think they're going over there. By the way, I read an article about what was the the Caddyshack, the movie that Murray was in. You know his character was not scripted, and there were no lines. Really? Everything he did in in Caddyshack, he made up on the fly. I mean, had, I'm not sure he, he had, had a script in 35 years. It may not have, but he had no lines in Caddyshack. All of that was just impromptu, off the cuff. The only time he's ever followed lines is when he's singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game at the seventh inning stretch at Wrigley. Other than that, he's completely unchained, right? We have gone off the rails already, and we're only a minute into this segment. So, Tim, uh, the the most important question as we think about Florida State playing in Orlando and you traversing down there is: is there going to be a stop at the Busy Bee when you're when you're headed getting close to I seventy five? Are are you going to stop at the mecca of uh, of places to stop if you're traversing highways in our country? Do you even have to ask? I'm I'm the king of the Busy Bee. That's like my that's my place. I, oh, I, I so you you sit them. on the throne at the Busy Bee, do you? Sure. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that you guys can get me there. We can just do an extended segment. 
Well, that would be an extended segment. Uh, obviously, we're recording this, folks, and Tim is uh, en route. He's got his posse with him uh, from Seminoles.com, uh, which, by the way, Tim, you guys have, have continued to do a great work on Seminoles.com, and I know there's been uh, a it, little secret here. It always makes it a little easier when the product is number one in baseball, number one in, in softball, and top three seeds in men's and women's hoops. So the point being, you've had some uh, some good programs to cover, but what you got uh, headline in Seminoles.com right now? Well, the the big things that they seem to look out for are, like you mentioned, the men's and women's basketball, uh, both in the NCAA tournament, both three seats. They're trying to blow that out as, as much as we can. I think up there right now uh, that I did yesterday was a, uh, a piece on just the, the women's basketball team and their reaction. And one thing I thought was kind of kind of interesting was, you know, that's a program that's made the NCAA tournament. It's their, their fifth straight year, and I want to say 13 the last 14. It might be 12 the last 13. Whatever it is, that, that program's used to make an NCAA tournament. And so you would think that the, the selection zone and all that wouldn't be a big deal. Uh, but then in talking to uh, to one of their players, Treese White, who's a, a junior transfer from Illinois, uh, it was her first time. She never made the NCAA tournament. So for her, it was still kind of a, a special moment to, to actually be able to experience that. And I, I thought that was kind of a, a neat little side story for, like I said, a program that otherwise, you know, everybody in that locker room uh, has made the NCAA tournament before. It doesn't know how it feels to not make the NCAA tournament. So for somebody to still have a little bit of that, uh, that sort of spark, if you will, I thought was kind of cool. You know, Keith and I were uh, we were going to petition Coach Sue to see if she would give up her two home games so the men's team could play at home this weekend, but apparently uh, the NCAA wouldn't allow that. But obviously, on the men's side, they play on the neutral site in Orlando. What are your What are your thoughts for the men as they uh, get set to take on Florida Gulf Coast? Well, I think it's uh, you know you, you like being in Orlando. I did think it was kind of funny. You know, the idea is the, the top five seeds or the protected seeds. The the idea is the committee will put them at places where they won't be. At a disadvantage in terms of home coral, we you know we since learned that that's more of a, a suggestion than a hard and fast rule. Given that you know the University of South Carolina is going to be playing in Greenville, uh, and then from Florida State's perspective, I mean Florida State's going to have a lot of fans at that game on Thursday. But you know Florida Gulf Coast, Fort Myers is not that far from Orlando either. And you know uh, if you remember that NIT game that Florida Gulf Coast played up here in Tallahassee a few years ago, you know that they're going to have every man, woman, and child uh, on the uh, on a, uh, a bus from Fort Myers to Orlando to be at that game. So, you know, while I don't think Florida State's necessarily going to be at a disadvantage, there's going to be a lot of Florida Gulf Coast fans uh, there at that game, I expect. So uh, it should be pretty interesting. And then, and then, you know, you also have to wonder if, if any Florida fans stick around or go to the late session, uh, you know who they're going to be rooting for. So I think it, it could be a, a harder environment, a more difficult environment than your typical three seed against the 14 seed. But that said, uh, I, I do think that, that Florida State probably feel pretty confident in the matchup. Have you spent much time studying? I've begun my work because uh, I'll call the game tomorrow night. Uh, both teams like to score in the paint. I mean, this may be a, a, a game of twos versus anybody reigning threes because they, they both like to get the ball inside. Yeah, I agree. And if you're a fourth state, you, you probably like that, right? You know, what's been the, the Achilles heel for FSU uh, for most of the year is, is teams that can shoot from outside, hit a lot of three-pointers and neutralize your size advantage in the paint. And if a team likes to make its living down low and score in the paint, uh, typically I like Florida State's chances unless you're talking about, you know, a high-level, you know, team like a Duke or, uh, or North Carolina or somebody like that. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast, uh, you know, again, it would make me nervous if they had a fifth-year senior three-point shooter who would just go off. And then who knows, maybe they do, but just looking, like you said, at their statistics, knowing that they like to go down low and score the majority of the points in the paint, uh, I think Florida State will take that matchup against most teams. What what do we got to do to get Bacon going in the first half and get Isaac going offensively? That's a, that's a really good question. I think if I, if I knew the answer to that one, maybe I'd be on the bench. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it has been a, a bit of a, a conundrum. Uh, you know, you've seen, I think, Leonard Hamilton try some different things to sort of get the offense going, not just Dwayne Bacon and Jonathan Isaac, but get the offense going in general. And typically, if, if the offense is performing the way that, that you want it to, those those two are going to be part of it. Uh, so, I don't know. Maybe, maybe try to just, you know, get a directive to get those guys, get taking some shots early, uh, get them and try to get them into rhythm. And that's kind of what I thought that they you know, would be doing all year is to go, guys, you know, pull up, find your shot, see if you can get into a, an early rhythm and go from there. Uh, because you're right. It's, uh, you know, while I do think to some degree that their, their struggles have been overblown, at least on a consistent basis, um, Florida State's not going to get where they want to go and not going to get where they can go without those two guys, uh, you know, playing at a high level and contributing at a high level. So, yeah, we'll see. Maybe this game on Thursday, and maybe another one on Saturday. If they make it that far, will uh, will be enough to kind of 
give them the spark they need, get them into a rhythm, and and, and maybe make a, a deep run in this thing. Because I think they're capable of it, but you got to have, have you know all hands on deck. The performance by Angola Rodas against Notre Dame does that lead to more minutes for him tomorrow night? And second part of that question: What do you think his role is next year and beyond? Because he showed an ability to fill it up. Well, I, you know, I think that you're probably looking at not necessarily guarantee him more minutes, but at least an opportunity to, to maybe have the ball in his hands and sort of have a you know a, a run there in the game where he can pull up, take a couple shots, and if it looks like it's falling for him, you leave him in there. I mean, I think that's what happened against Notre Dame is you know, he started knocking down those shots, and all of a sudden you're leaving him in a game, whereas in, in the past you might go ahead and, and, and sub him out. But if he's going to knock down some of the shots that he did, you know, why go away from that hot hand? So I think that's kind of what it's going to be. You can stick him out there. Uh, you know, maybe uh, midway through the first half, maybe a little bit later. Uh, let them see if, if, if the shot's falling, and if it is, then, then go for it. Uh, and, and to answer your question uh, for next year, I, I mean, honestly, you know, depending on the makeup of the roster, and, and we don't know, you know, what all pieces are going to be back in the fold, but if, if it's a situation where you have a lot of turnover, I think he could be, you know, one of their, their key scorers, one of their, their go-to guys. Uh, he's certainly athletic enough. I mean, talking to him after the game, he, he's very confident. Uh, he, he definitely believes in himself. He's a former Juco All-American, and, and I think he showed what he's capable of. Now, I don't expect him to go out and score 17, minutes, 17 points a half every time he goes out there, but you know, it goes to show when, when he's you know, where he needs to be mentally and physically or wherever else, uh, I think he can score you know, certainly in, in the ACC, and, and you know, depending on how things shake out with next year's roster, Florida State might need him to. Well, and, and if you go back and look at his history, talking about uh, uh, Rodas, he averaged what twenty seven points a game last year in Idaho. I mean, that's what that caught their attention. Like yeah. So you know, if, if shooting, I think, can translate more than a lot of skills, and he can certainly get to the basket a little bit. And we saw him as a shooter did that. I, I don't know, don't know that any of us really realized that he could shoot the way he did uh, when he did it against Notre Dame. And, and again, I, you know, shooting at that rate is probably an unreasonable expectation. But just knowing that that, that might be his ceiling, or maybe even a little higher from here, you know, everywhere once again. Uh, to me, that's an encouraging development. We'll see how much of an impact it makes uh, in the immediate future, but I do think it's encouraging, if nothing else, for the long term. Well, and it's probably been about a month since you, when you looked at the stats, he actually was shooting a higher percentage on threes than, than uh, oh, I just completely blanked. Help me out here. Uh, Savoy. Yes, yes, I had the wrong, complete wrong name. Yes, 3J. Yeah, I mean, uh, Angola Rodas was like at 41, and PJ was at about 40% there. So that that's on far fewer attempts. All right, Keith, anything else on basketball? Because I'm going to switch to baseball here. Well, or, or I, Tim. I just think, you know, the, the key to tomorrow night's game, in my opinion, is, is can Florida State's bigs keep out of foul trouble and finish dunks? I mean, it's that's been the most unbelievable two or three games that I've ever called. That we can't, we, we're missing dunks. How do you miss dunks? I, I agree with you completely, Keith. I, like we mentioned, uh, if, if the battle in the paint, which I think we both expect it will be, uh, Florida State should win that. The, the and then it's just will they? You know, I go back to that Duke game uh, a couple weeks ago, and, and not to compare playing Florida Gulf Coast in Orlando to play in Duke Cameron Indoor Stadium. But you know, Florida State's big. They got good looks in the paint. Uh, they had good layup attempts, good dunk attempts. They just couldn't finish. Uh, and if you can't finish a foot away, two feet away from the basket, you're going to have a problem no matter who you're playing. So, of course, they can tighten that up. I, I like their chances on Thursday. All right, over to baseball. Last night, Florida and Florida State uh, engaged in quite a pitcher's duel, and Florida won one zip the final score uh disclosure here i did not watch that game so i looked at the box score afterwards i know there was a lot of angst because florida has had florida state's uh, number of late my takeaway on it tim is is honestly that carp went down and pitched in a hostile environment and pitched great and florida state didn't have jackson luke and didn't have drew mendoza who's going to be back in two weeks so i know what the recent history is i'm not particularly worried about last night and you know it's a loss and i'm not saying i accept it (laughs) i guess you have to but I, I'm not off the rails uh, about what this team can be. No, I wouldn't be either. And look, I, I wouldn't blame anybody for feeling frustrated, uh, especially three straight games without scoring so much as a run down there. Um, and that's going to sting no matter how you slice it. But in, in baseball, more than really any other sport, you have to look at the big picture. And I feel like we kind of had this conversation a few weeks ago about Andrew Cart, but I think it's just as relevant today, uh, if not more so. Uh, I mean, that guy went on, like you said, went on the road to the, the preseason number one team, a team that, that really has kind of been one of the the elites of college baseball over the last five or six years. 
uh, and was completely unfazed by the moment, unfazed by the crowd, and, and really shut down that lineup. I mean, even, you know, uh, if, you get pressure at Florida State success, but it's not like Florida was, was raking it and, you know, Florida State had to make you know a bunch of amazing defensive plays, or he was working his way out of jams. I mean, he was dominant. Uh, so to me, you know, look, you're going to lose a one nothing game when a guy hits a, a check swing RBI single or whatever the case may be. And I'm not saying that's not irritating because obviously it is. But big picture, I think the, the emergence of Andrew Carp has been one of the, the maybe the biggest development through the first part of the season for this team. Uh, he just looks fantastic. You got to wonder if it's a if it's a matter of time before he ends up in the weekend rotation. Or maybe they like him where he is and he's comfortable. Either way, having an arm that you know can go to Gainesville and strike out 11 players uh, in a game like that, to me, is, is far more important than the, uh, than, than the outcome of the game. Uh, and I don't mean to take away from the outcome of the game if you're feeling you know, irritated this morning or this afternoon. Uh, but looking forward, uh, I, I think there's plenty of encouraging developments that I think are, are, are far more uh, positives uh, in the long term than there are negatives in, in another loss of game. As we wrap up, uh, Tim, uh, do Coach Sue and the ladies head to California after the weekend? No, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. What do you think? <laughs> I, I, I would agree. Uh, it's hard. You know, I, I looked up, and, and like, it's not a, not a fair comparison, but I looked to see the Western Illinois, uh, who they're playing uh, in the first round. They played in front of an average, I think, of about 900 fans uh, in their games this season, both home and away. I think Florida State, uh, and their two NCAA tournament games at home two years ago, uh, they averaged up over 5,000. So uh, it's going to be, a, I think, a bit of a shock for uh, for the Leathernecks coming in here uh, on Friday night and then uh, go from there and see how things go on Sunday. But I expect Florida State to get out of the first two rounds in that tournament uh, fairly easily. You're 10 minutes closer to the busy B, Tim. Hey, you know what? I, I can almost see it out there in the distance. At least we see uh, some of the, uh, the billboards coming here. They'll start pretty early. Just because your fan club wants to know, I mean, when you get to the busy B, what do you make a beeline to? What's what's the the first thing? They're not counting the bathroom. We don't want to hear that. I'm talking food and beverage here. Where do you go? You know, I like the uh, the little samples of the uh, little like little honey corn pops or whatever they give you. So you got to get one of those, uh, and then an icy if you can help it. Uh, and then it just sort of depends on uh, what you're in the mood for. But uh, but I've got you know go to, go to the fudge counter, go get some uh, some beef jerky if you're into that. You can get anything at the busy bee. That's the best part. They really should be paying me for this. Way too familiar. Well, with they this. should be paying Way us. Way too this, familiar. This is like at least, not, this is the second or third show that we've given this much love to the Busy Bee. So no question, we should just send them an invoice, Keith. Can we well, it's, it? It, remember, it's King Tim. <laughs> hey, uh, travel safe, Tim. Uh, tell the rest of the uh, the family there in the car that we said hello. You got it, guys. We'll see you. All righty, our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, on the uh, Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. You look like you want to add something about the busy bee. Nothing that's appropriate. I'll just say that it has made the drive from Tallahassee to Lake City much more interesting. There's actually a highlight, whichever direction you're going. But what, what was the conversation in the first meeting when they sat down and said, all right, this is going to be our advertising campaign? Clean bathroom. They don't even need a campaign. It's it's a gas station with clean restrooms. I'm just saying. Hmm. It's it's funny, and I, I guarantee you that every season ticket holder for Florida State that you know, and the season ticket holder base is Orlando, Tampa, South Florida. So they're making that trek up here. I guarantee you, every Seminole knows where the Busy Bee is, and that's the highlight of that trek. Save now that's the highlight of the track. That is no question. <laughs> All right, enough about that. We'll we'll take a break. Come back with more on the front row right after this. The front row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Back on the front row on the eve of, well, I guess... It's still the eve of March Madness in the tournament to me. I know we have the first four last night and tonight, but to don't, me, it, don't mention that to Wake Forest. Well, that was a tough one for the ACC. We're going to talk about ACC uh, overall right now as an ACC aficionado uh, joins us, David Teal, who's a, a columnist with the Daily Press. He hasn't joined us probably in a year or so, but uh, he's been covering the ACC for for ages and, and eons. David, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. Hope you're doing the same. 
Yeah, we are. Thank you so much. I know you uh, you just got into Orlando. You're going to be in Orlando, too, because Virginia is there. Uh, and well, since I mentioned Virginia, let's see, you know, it, it hasn't been maybe quite the season that they've had of late. But what's your thoughts on what this Cavs team can do as they get into the postseason? Well, I think a lot hinges on Isaiah Wilkins' health. He has been battling a virus for more than a week and was clearly not right at the ACC tournament last week. And against the UNC Wilmington team that averages about 85 points a game, which is 10th in the country, Virginia needs its best defender. And if, 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 he's, a, if he's a no-go or is limited, uh, the Cavaliers' task becomes a lot more difficult. No question. The ACC overall set a record in terms of number of teams uh, from the ACC to go to the NCAA tournament. Now, the more the more schools you put in the league, obviously you got a better chance to get more in there. But you, you've covered this this league since since the '80s, I know, and uh, we sort of throw it around that this is the best the league's ever been. But I'm curious, in your estimation, how does this year stack up to the ACC historically? Well, it, it, it's the best the league has been, guys, from a depth standpoint. But, you know, if you want to look at overall talent, it's not as good as the 80s and early 90s because those players and those teams were older. They stuck around two, three, four years. Michael Jordan played three years of college basketball. Ralph Sampson, the only three-time national player of the year, he played all four seasons at, at Virginia. That doesn't happen anymore. So the league, the, the talent is younger. But in terms of, in terms of the depth, I thought the ACC deserved nine teams. Many people thought it deserved ten. I was fine with Syracuse being left out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's unrivaled this year. I mean, Big East sent 11 back in 2011. David, KJ here. Uh, my, my curiosity is, would you ever imagine a time where Duke would have to play four games in four days and win all four of them for them to be the ACC tournament champions? I mean, it's just no no team had had ever done it, and for that team to be Duke, and and, and to then win those four games and, and and be a solid number two seed in what many people thought was a a number one seed. I mean, they they lost seven games in this league. They were the fifth seed in the conference tournament, and yet a lot of people thought they should have been a top four seed overall in the NCAA tournament. Well, obviously, all eyes are on Carolina, uh, and, and they're a number one seed. Uh, we expect uh, the Tar Heels to be there for the Final Four. Do, do, do they have the makeup to win it all? Oh, I think they absolutely do. Uh, they you know, they didn't play well in the second half, squandered a 13-point lead uh, against Duke in the ACC semis. Uh, but Roy Williams, has he has all the pieces. Uh, and when they're when they're engaged defensively, guys, that's the key for them. They're they they border on unfair. Uh, they're so they're so big and so long up front. And as Florida State fans, you know they they have uh, the tallest team in the country in the Seminoles. But uh, Carolina's just they just pound you on the boards with Kennedy Meeks and Isaiah Hicks, and they can score so many ways. They absolutely have what it takes. We're talking with uh, David Teal from the Daily Press, who has covered the ACC for for decades, truly an Atlanta Coast Conference expert. You just mentioned the Carolina-Duke game last week. Uh, You've sat through plenty of those in in your tenure. I'm curious how that one at the tournament in Brooklyn compared to any other that you've seen in any other tournament setting. And then part two of that is is how the the tournament in general played out in your mind uh, with Brooklyn as the host city. I thought it did well in Brooklyn. Hey, it's, it's not Manhattan. You're not in the middle of it all at the Garden where everyone is central. Brooklyn is a little remote and doesn't have that, that buzz or vibe uh, of Manhattan. But the crowd for, for Duke Carolina was, was fabulous. Now, the downside was that was the early game, and then Florida State and Notre Dame take the stage, and a lot of folks bailed. Uh, which you know was, was, I'm sure, disappointing to, to some at the conference office, and kind of took away from uh, the the environment for from that second semifinal. Uh, but overall, I, I thought the tournament did well there. It's going to be there next year too, and I know you talked to Commissioner Swafford last week, and it appears that uh, what he'd like to see is that the ACC tournament rotate locations. 
Uh, is that your sense? And, and if so, how many, uh, you know, how many stops are they going to make in a 10 year span? Is it going to be two years in New York, two years, DC, four years, Carolina, two years, Atlanta. I mean, do you know what the grand plan is there? Well, I, not from a specific number standpoint, and a lot hinges on on the politics of North Carolina. I mean, just yesterday, uh, the the legislature there again failed uh, on a on an attempt to repeal uh, the uh, controversial legislation that uh, had you know prompted the, the move of the ACC football championship game uh, down here to Orlando this year. And if if that situation doesn't get resolved. I'd say by early May, the ACC is going to pull the 19 and 20 basketball tournaments from Charlotte and Greensboro, respectively, and, and, and they'll be looking for, for new homes. And down here in Orlando would be one of the candidates, as would Tampa, which, which hosted an ACC tournament. Well, David, I, I, Tom and I have talked about this. Uh, I, I think that we're going to see a change uh, in the basketball tournament. Instead of it pivoting from Carolina and occasionally going to other places, I think the, the new center is going to be New York, and New York becomes the pivot, and then you, you, you go away from there occasionally. Your thoughts? Maybe. If they, could, if they could somehow get to the guard. What they won't do is what the Big Ten is doing next year, and that's going a week early so it can play in the Garden. And then the Big East plays its traditional date, you know, the Saturday before, you know, the, the selection process, the, the selection announcement. Right. But and, and, and that's untenable for the ACC. Number one, ESPN wouldn't want it. And number two, with the, league, with the ACC going to a 20-game conference schedule, there's no way to shoehorn 20 conference games into one less week or, you know, a week shorter regular season. Right, right. So the ACC would somehow have to get the Garden away from the Big East. And that contract doesn't expire. The Big East Garden contract doesn't expire until 2026. So that, that, that you know, that's, that's quite a ways out. I think a more likely, the tournament did really well in D.C. last year and was very popular, uh, not only among fans, but administrators. Uh, it's it's going back there in the not too distant future. Uh, we certainly enjoyed it. I thought it was a fabulous tournament in DC. So what what I hear you saying is a couple years DC, a couple years New York, a couple years Carolina. I know the commissioners talked about Florida. I'm going to be honest, and we're sitting in Florida. I, I don't know that the ACC tournament needs to come back to Florida. I mean, I would be happy with those three cities I just mentioned. But but you think they're going to just just because of the footprint? You think they're going to put it further south at some point too? I think I think if if not Florida, Atlanta. Right, right. Yeah, interesting. Well, let me ask you this about Florida State, because Keith obviously travels with Florida State and has for 20 years. He's seen every FSU basketball game there is. Been a lot of buzz and excitement with the year that, that Leonard's team has had. Uh, as a neutral observer, you've, you've seen Florida State, uh, obviously you saw them in Charlottesville when they, when they knocked off the Cavs early in the conference season, but they haven't been the same team away from home that they've been at home. So I'm just curious what your well, I'm curious what your thoughts are on what needs to happen for Florida State to be successful, or or what the answer is to what you see that's different when they're away from home compared to being at home. Well, it's, it's funny. I saw probably their best road win, right? Right. I mean, yep, yep. winning winning in Charlottesville on on, on Bacon Three. I mean, that's 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 big time, uh, but. I, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure what's missing uh, away from home. I didn't see much of the Notre Dame game because I was busy writing the Duke Carolina game last week. I did see all of Florida State's game uh, against Virginia Tech. Didn't think for for as long and as gifted athletically as the Seminoles are. I thought they would defend Virginia Tech better than they did for large stretches of of that game. Uh, and you know that that allowed the Hokies to to get free from uh, beyond the arc and, and, and keep it close for a while. Um, but you know, I you know, they are they are so big and talented, and you know, Raton Mays. I mean, he's a terrific perimeter defender, and Jonathan Isaac has just all the potential in the world. I like I I don't know about you guys. I like their draw here in Orlando. Uh, yeah, Florida Gulf Coast and 
Uh, but I think that they, they, they get past that. I think their link would really give Mello Trimble fits, the, the, the little Maryland guard who's the Terps' best player, and I think Maryland's going to get by Xavier. Um, so I, I think the Seminoles got a real nice draw here. Yeah, I don't think we're going to argue with the draw. Well, when you haven't been in in five years, you're just going to take the draw. But 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 it was favorable. But but I would agree. I mean, for them to be in Orlando, there'll be a lot of Florida State folks there. Uh, some Gator fans too, probably rooting against FSU. But yes, I like the draw. I, I want to go back to that point about uh, you thought FSU would defend better. Uh, did you see that as an effort thing, a lack of interest thing, a not understanding their assignment thing, or could you tell? That's 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 hard to tell. I never like, especially a team I don't I don't see as much. I don't like to to, to question effort. Now, might that be part of it? I, I don't know. Uh, but but certainly, um, it's not my place as a as a casual, occasional observer to be questioning someone's effort. But I think maybe it was more from from an assignment standpoint, just not uh, qu- quite getting it. And, and, hey, Virginia Tech runs some good stuff offensively. Buzz Williams is a terrific coach. And, you know, maybe maybe they were maybe they were confused for all. And, and heck, in his, in his postgame, Leonard said as much. He said they ran some stuff. They, they, they kind of confused us early. So, you know, per, perhaps that was precisely it. Yeah. David, we will let you get going. I know you've got uh, some work to do covering the Cavs, but uh, we appreciate what you do for the ACC and the insights you bring. So thanks for uh, carving out a few minutes for us. Guys, thanks for having me. All righty. Thanks, David. David Teal, who uh, literally has been covering the – he grew up on the ACC and has been uh, covering it uh, since the 80s. So some good perspective there. We'll react to that uh, when we come back. He joined us on the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. As I said, we'll react to that when we continue on the front row. The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on the Front Row, we'll uh, bounce back uh, and react to the comments of David Teal and also Tim Linnefelt momentarily. I'll remind you that if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations, as you know, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. You can call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf. You know, you can see Mark or Steve, too. It's not just Ron. Well, there you go. They, they are very – they got plenty of people. And you could tell them that Keith and Tom sent you. There you go. How many other names can we throw into the first minute? Ralph, Sam, and George. Uh, will they be there? No. Okay. ACC Tournament React, I, I don't want to uh, – I feel like we're beating a dead horse to some degree because we've had extensive conversation about this. But David Teal is as plugged in as anybody. So uh, he gets access to the commissioner and, and does a really good job covering the ACC. So what he says, pretty good chance that's, that's what's going to materialize. A couple of things. He said by early May, they're going to make a decision on whether the next two years – well, next year is in Brooklyn. But the two years after that, 19 and 20, are currently scheduled for the state of North Carolina. And the league will decide by early May. I w- maybe put that to mid-May, whenever the, the, May, the, meeting, the May meetings. Yeah, they'll make that decision. And, and if HB2 is still on the books in North Carolina, then it's going to be bye-bye to Carolina. First, I've heard that the decision would be made that early. Uh, but obviously, you you got to go into planning and some negotiation, that type of thing. And given what David mentioned about the vote yesterday by the uh, how by the assembly or whatever they call themselves in Carolina, you know his whole adage, uh, and I had not contemplated this, but his whole adage about maybe pivoting out of uh, D.C. becomes very very intriguing because uh, I, I really enjoyed our time in Washington. Uh, it, it meets the category that the, the D.C. knew the ACC tournament was there. Maybe Brooklyn would not, Manhattan would not, uh, up in the in the boroughs, so to speak. Uh, but the arena was great. The people were great. The tournament was well attended. And, and pivoting out of D.C., at least temporarily, uh, I don't have a problem with. I, I think that might be a viable, viable uh, alternative. D.C. brings a lot of the same things that New York brings, only it's more centrally located in the footprint. So it's easily easier for the Virginia and the Carolina schools to get there. It's also a subtle uh, little message to the Big Ten who claimed they were going to take that market over by by grabbing Maryland. Um, 
What I don't want to see, and I was, I'm on the side of if you could get the garden, and I know it's a decade away. If the garden tells you only do it if you play 10 years in a row here, if I'm the ACC. I don't I, do 10 years. No. You wouldn't do 10? I wouldn't do 10 consecutive years. I'm, I'm, I'm opening up to that a little bit more. When the Big East first fractured, I was more on board with take New York every year. Uh, now I'm more open to, to bouncing it around, but I don't think it needs five or six destinations. If it's Brooklyn, D.C. and Carolina, I'm okay with it. I don't think bringing it to Florida adds anything. I don't think you'll see it in Florida again, candidly. I, and I don't know I, that, that, I mean, the Tampa tournament, based on people I've talked to now that it's, what, six, eight, ten years past then, however long ago it was, it's not remembered fondly. I don't think you'll see Florida again for And for even basketball. if you had a year where Miami and FSU are the two best teams in the ACC and are going to meet in the championship game, FSU and Miami fans aren't going to go to the Tuesday games and the Wednesday games and the Thursday games. They're going to go to the Friday night and Saturday games. I, I don't think – and then the other city. So my point being, I, I wouldn't be in favor of bringing the ACC. I think Atlanta is and a I little bit of a, a subtle consideration or a, or a tenable situation. Yeah, and it's because it's further south and they're trying to hit the whole footprint. And I know that's where it was played when Florida State won the tournament. And I know Georgia Tech is there. But Atlanta, to me, because of what the SEC has carved out over the years with the football championship game, Atlanta, to me, is an SEC town. And I'm not saying concede it, but I think if you had a more – I don't know if you go 2-2-2 or 4-4-4, but just bounce at New York, D.C., and wherever they want to put it in Carolina, they can decide if they want it in Greensboro or Charlotte or whatever. I, I, I'll even give up on that fight for Charlotte. And, but. and I know they're very tied to Greensboro, but it would not surprise me if you never saw the men play in Greensboro again. That would not surprise me at all. Well, if they don't change their laws. <laughs> I'm just saying you're, you're Charlotte saying, is, a, is a more viable alternative than Greensboro used to be. Yeah. Well, it'll get sorted out in the next couple of months. We'll figure this out. Uh, it, the other thing that David Teal brought up there is that he you – know, and again, he's a neutral observer who follows the ACC, has seen Florida State a few times this year uh, in person, has seen them on TV, I'm sure, several times. He likes their draw. Now, that's somebody outside. Now, that's what a lot of us thought, too, on it. Uh, not just from the immediate first two games, but also from the standpoint that you're in Gonzaga's half of the bracket well, then, compared to Carolina or Kansas. Why, why was everybody on Sunday's selection show after the brackets were – why was everybody predicting that, that Florida Gulf Coast would beat Florida State? I mean, all the, all the pundits well, that's, were that's saying because, that that was going to be an upset. And it could be because Florida State has been so up and down. David hit the home run, though, with what needs to happen. You, we were talking earlier about you know what could we fix – the message to this Florida State team is defense first. If they will play defense, they can win basketball games. That needs to be the message. Well, and I'll go back to something we've oft repeated on here because it came up in Brooklyn in Thanksgiving, and it was a quote from Leonard when he said, our best offensive players are not our best defensive players. And if you look back at this season, and we can just – flat out say that Dwayne Bacon is really who he's talking about when he's discussing that and Bacon, he used to say XRM he he fixed that XRM has fixed that and I don't think we're questioning Isaac's not defense the way he rebounds so really what Certainly we're saying you're not questioning man what, or what, Ojo what we're or saying here is Bacon needs to show up and decide to play defense and Agreed. if he doesn't he's going to get pulled and other and they're going to have to go because one thing Forrest and Walker will bring is energy effort. and tenacious effort and, effort and in your face yep um so I don't know what that is for Bacon. I mean, he came back this year to get better defensively. Can you sit here right now and say he's better? Now, his game overall? No, you're wrong. You, do you think he's a lot better defensively? No, right? he came back because he needed to work on his three-point shooting, which, well, is, came, which he, is what he worked on and has gotten better at. He did not come back to get better on defense because he's not gotten better on defense. Well, but he said as such. He said he came back to improve his game, and that was one of the things he talked about. But, but you just answered the question. You don't think he's any better defensively right no, now than last year? No. He's much better offensively when he chooses to be so. I think I think what happened to him offensively, it goes back to, I don't know, the first third of the ACC season. He started getting whistled for charges. Three or four games in a row, he drew five or six charges, and he just became gun-shy about driving. about driving, which is what his game is. And so now you look at even closing out the Virginia Tech game, he's an 80% free throw shooter. They're trying to run out the clock, and he's shooting fadeaway 19-footers that aren't going to draw a foul, and he's bricking them off the rim. Just go to the rim and shoot free throws. I think it goes back to that. He just Possibly. It, it got in his mind, and, and it has taken away 
uh, it's sort of he, – he won't push on the accelerator as hard now because he's convinced he's going to get whistled for an offensive foul. I, I hope he has a cornerback mentality and forgets all that. He needs to. He, his body language suggests that he process – he's thinking too much about it. You just need to hit the reset button and play again. you got Florida Gulf. Here we tomorrow. go. We will wrap up uh, another edition of The Front Row right after this. The Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Time to finish up so Keith can get on the road and head down to Orlando. Stop at the Busy Bee along the way, I presume. I'll wave at least. Tim may still be there. <laughs> and if he is, go ahead and uh, throw him a line and reel him out of there. Understood. Uh, Going to be a good weekend uh, in Orlando. I like Florida State's draw to finish a point that we talked about. I, I wish I could guarantee you what Florida State team we're going to see tomorrow. I feel like we're going to see – I mean, if you're not going to see good effort from the get-go, and, and again, David Teal – probably put it the way we all should. I don't know if it's effort we're questioning, but it's just lack of conviction at the start of some games, like waiting for somebody else yep. to make a gotta play. Got to play defense. Got to play defense. Got to play defense. Let's just preach defense, and then everything else will fall in place. That's going to be my mantra moving forward. Well, it is Florida Gulf Coast hate week. The softball team's playing, and the baseball team's got them tonight, which that's not an insignificant game. Florida Gulf Coast swept a pair from Florida last week. Then the baseball uh, team goes on the road. You ever been to a campus? I have not. I've heard good things, but I have not. It, it's a it's a neat little place. I've only seen photographs. I've not physically been there, but I uh, got a good friend of mine that lives in the Fort Myers area, and, and, and we talk occasionally. And I mean, it's 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 a neat little community, a neat little school. There's some good things coming out of that area. You remember Michael Fly, who's an assistant mm-hmm. coach for him, used mm-hmm. to be the video coordinator for Leonard, so he traveled with you for several years. Yep. He went down there when Andy Enfield got the job, and uh, obviously Enfield. Went to USC. Parlayed that rather well. Yeah, he parlayed Dunk City into a – that's about as big a jump as you can get from what they did by Sweet 16. No question. Yeah, this is not the same Dunk City style, but uh, it will be an interesting game tomorrow night. So uh, hopefully you come back with uh, two wins, uh, which means next week I won't see you because you'll be in California well, you somewhere. Know. It depends on when I have the opportunity to leave. Uh, I, I, I will I, tell you this. I know you're traveling with the team if they go to California next well, Not week. necessarily. Not necessarily because there's one thing, and now that I've hit 50 and a whole bunch more, I spend as little time in California as is absolutely humanly possible. <laughs> Be that as it may, unless you're going to take a parachute and – exit the team plane before you cross maybe the state line, or you're going to drive. Maybe I'll you drive a Corey. Good, I'll drive a Corey. You don't have a lot of good options here on this That's one. That's true. That's true. All right, folks, uh, thanks for uh, tuning in. We encourage you to uh, subscribe to the uh, podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes, rate us, tell us how mediocre we are, and uh, tune in each and every Wednesday right here at 6 o'clock. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.